Welcome to Strength for the Journey from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau. The subject of today's sermon is perhaps one of the most difficult things in life, marriage. Few aspects of life have as many ups and downs as marriage, and some marriages, as we all know, end up in divorce. Here to tackle the subject, First Pres Director of Family Life, Karen Makishima. If you came in late, my name is Karen Makishima, and I am the Family Life Director here at First Pres, and I have the honor of bringing our message for today. Um, today, I'm going to talk about marriage, but also to those of you who were married but are now single, and those of you who are single now but one day will be married, and those who choose to be single. And since we're all called to be in community, it's helpful to know about marriage so that we can provide support to married people. Because truth be told, marriage is hard. Our, <laughs> um, I can tell you're married. <laughs> Our hearts can easily get hardened. And we all have the challenge that men and women are so different. And if you think they're the same and you live on another planet, well, let me share with you some observations from a man who says, men are just happier people. He says men are just happier because men can wear a white t-shirt to a water park. Or men can wear no shirt to a water park. For the men, the world is your urinal. <laughs> you never have to drive to another gas station restroom because this one is just too icky. Your phone conversations, well, they're over in 30 seconds. A five-day vacation requires only one suitcase. Men's underwear, $8.95 for a three-pack. <laughs> Men can have the same hairstyle last for years, maybe even decades. Men get to play with toys all their life. Men can wear shorts no matter how their legs look. <laughs> they can do their nails with a pocket knife. <laughs> and listen to this last one. Men can do shopping for 25 relatives on December 24th in 25 minutes for Christmas. No wonder men are happier. Even though that was lighthearted, today's sermon deals with a difficult topic. It's about when marriages go south, so far down that they end in divorce. There's no way that I can cover all the different facets of divorce, but my hope is that in the midst of God's word that each of us will hear the grace of Jesus, which still applies to us today, 20 centuries later. We recognize that for many, you may be divorced here today, and we want you to know that we believe in grace and God's love for all of us. Pastor Dan said that it would be okay for me to remind us again that he himself was divorced over 30 years ago from his first wife. So this 
is a church who understands how hard life can be. We are deeply empathetic for divorced people. But before we read today's passage, I want to share with you that I too know the pain of divorce. When my dad and my mom moved our family from Indiana to Hawaii when I was 14 years old and put us four kids into public school, my sister and I went to Kaimiki High School. My brother went to Jared Middle School. My baby brother went to Palolo Elementary. Each of us were experiencing a huge culture shock, moving from the Midwest to Hawaii. And then the unimaginable happened to our family. Our dad, who was such a good dad, he changed. And he decided to leave his family in exchange for another family. My dad broke the sacred covenant. It was a devastating time for me and for my family. It really shaped my view of marriage and myself. But we'll come back to that later on. Today, we're going to look at a passage in the Gospel of Mark that deals with marriage and divorce. Just my luck, I decided to switch Sundays to preach with Pastor Dan, not knowing what my passage would be. But I am the family life director here of the church, overseeing ministry to parents, children, and youth. And so in God's providence, this is a good opportunity to talk about this as another example of God's guidance and his best yes for us. So now let's all stand as we hear the reading of God's word today in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, as was his custom. He taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? Jesus replied. And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. And he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Over the past several months, we've been in our Hope Restored series following Jesus' ministry in the book of Mark. We've hung out on the shores of Galilee witnessing the miracles Jesus performed and have heard the teaching about the good news of salvation. As a result, large crowds were intrigued about this man named Jesus. 
And our passage today begins with Jesus geographically moving his ministry from the shores of Galilee to the region of Judea. The bustling city of Jerusalem is located in Judea. And Jesus continues to teach the people about the kingdom of God and the heart of his heavenly father before he makes his final journey to the cross. Now in Mark 2, it says some Pharisees came and they tested Jesus by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Hmm. The Pharisees were religious leaders of the Jewish political party, and they held a strict interpretation of the Mosaic law. This group was known to have religious form without truly knowing the heart of their creator. The Pharisees didn't ask this question wanting to learn from Jesus, nor did they want to find out the true will of their creator. These guys, the Pharisees, were relentless in trying to trap Jesus. And the topic of divorce was a hot one. Jesus' response could really incriminate him. Jesus would speak against the Mosaic law. or Sorry, would Jesus speak against the Mosaic law? Or would he agree with the Pharisees' procedures of accepting divorce? What did Moses command you? And the Pharisee said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Here, Jesus uses his authority as a son of God to teach the gracious will of his father. But is there more in this verse than what the Pharisees are wanting to just prove to the world and themselves that Jesus is not the Messiah? It's interesting that in this male-dominant society of ancient Israel, where women are only valued for their sex appeal and their outer beauty, these religious men seem to be asking, when I'm done with my woman, when she no longer excites me, may I move on and find myself another? Wait, was this written in 65 AD or is this today? The Pharisees saw divorce as a legal issue, like buying and selling property. Some of the religious men interpreted the law to say that a woman can divorce a wife for any kind of dissatisfaction, even if she burnt the bread. You see, the Pharisees were looking for a way out. They did not see divorce as a spiritual issue. For how could they? They didn't know the heart of their creator. But listen to Jesus' response. He uncovers their sinful hearts. Next slide, please. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Jesus makes it a spiritual issue. And then Jesus goes on to say that the divorce or separation is not the true intent that God has for our relationships. Moses gave permission for divorce because of their sin, their stubbornness towards one another, their unteachable spirit, and their unwillingness to to accept God's will for unfaithfulness in their marriage. 
Did you know that infidelity or unfaithfulness is the number one cause for divorce? When my dad left our family, it rocked each of us to our core. It was as if someone amputated one of our limbs. The foundation of our family had experienced a huge blow. Each of us kids and my mom did our own thing to cope with the loss. And our coping strategies were all dysfunctional. At the time, our little tiny church in Palola Valley did not have the wisdom to know how to support us. As a result, I chose to get pregnant and married to escape the horror of my home. The plan was to marry my handsome prince, and together we would live happily ever after, just like a Disney princess. Yes, you heard right. I chose to get pregnant at the age of 15, and I thought that marriage was going to be great and solve all my problems. I didn't understand what a covenant relationship was when we married 42 years ago. It wasn't a wise choice, but it was the only way I could see out of the pain that I was experiencing at the time. Everyone, please hear me, and teenagers in particular. Getting pregnant as a teenager was not a good choice, and I am definitely not recommending it. I soon realized that marriage was so hard and discovered this thing called deep incompatibility that all marriages experience. Kimo is nothing like me, and I am nothing like him. By the way, I do have his permission to share with you about our lives. We should have read Pastor Dan's book on how to pick a spouse. We would have discovered at least one of his principles to take, like to take at least a year before getting married and to check with our friends to see if this was a good idea, and yes, not to have sex before marriage. Too bad for us, Pastor Dan hadn't written the book yet. But thank God that he, that God specializes in redeeming all broken and severed relationships. Marriages that are cold, siblings who have jealousy for one another, and those who have hatred towards others. Our God is the God of peace, harmony, and restoration. Therefore, if we look at today's passage, we discover that divorce is not God's will for our marriage. Divorce stems from the hardness of hearts. God hates divorce. Divorce people hate divorce. But hear this, God loves divorced people and he wants to heal that pain. And our church reflects this love. In fact, we have 16 people right now in our divorce care class where people get to experience God's healing and it's never too late to join. If you are divorced, please know that this sermon is not an attack on you and the decision you made or a decision that was forced upon you in a no-fault way as it was for Pastor Dan. 
I know that getting a divorce is a huge individualized decision, and sometimes it is the best decision, especially if you are experiencing abuse. If you are in an abusive relationship, we encourage you to take the steps to keep you safe. I have a girlfriend who recently divorced her husband after praying for 18 years that he would stop doing drugs and sleeping around. For her, she felt like she made the commitment to her husband, to her family, and to God. But she felt like God didn't release her from him from all that time. And finally, after 18 years, she now feels a release from her commitment and has complete peace about her decision to divorce due to his constant adulteries. For some, they would have divorced much earlier on. But now Jesus answers the Pharisees' question by sharing God's heart for marriage. And he takes the Pharisees back to the beginning, to the origin of man, back to the book of Mark. But at the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. God's design is for male and female to live together in marriage, showing value and unconditional love to one another. When God does math, it's one plus one equals one. Women were not to be viewed as property to be disposed of. God's design is for a woman to be a full partner in a marriage relationship. Therefore, Jesus set a standard of conduct for men to be united to their wives and to become one. Jesus brought dignity and value to all women during all phases of life. In the book of Genesis, we see how God created the first man, Adam, and how God fashioned a wife for Adam named Eve. Let's look at the actual verses that Jesus is quoted in Genesis 2. Then the Lord God formed the the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. How interesting that Eve was taken from Adam's side as an equal, not from his foot to be below him or from his head to be above him, but together they were commanded to care for each other and to care for the earth. And then back to Genesis, the man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. You see, a woman was not a piece of property, but bone of man's bone and flesh of man's flesh. 
Eve was a part of man. Therefore, women are to be treated equally in marriage. Now, just a sidebar here. If you're single, you might be saying, oh, great. What about me? If it's not good for Adam to be alone, how can it be good for me to be alone? But the Apostle Paul addresses being single in 1 Corinthians 7. It says, I wish that all of you were as I am, single. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. You see, the only way that you can remain unmarried and have wholeness without loneliness is to accept your singleness as your calling and to trust that the power of the Holy Spirit will meet all of your needs. This power of your calling can keep you from being lonely. Your calling of singleness might be temporary or it might be permanent. There may be some single people here today who think the same way I did, that getting married is the magic answer to happiness. That if I just got married, that would solve all my problems. But I want to tell you, getting married is not the magic solution. Back to the Genesis passage. That's why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. In this passage, Jesus shows the heart of God and his design for families. Husbands and wives are to make each other a priority, even over their parents and over their own children. For the greatest gift that you can give your children is to love your spouse. Because this love creates a foundation that's difficult to shake when life seems overwhelming. Marriage sets the tone and shapes our entire households. The warning, though, is to keep our hearts from being hard, for true character is built in our home. To continue back in the Genesis passage, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, there's something about something sacred about being completely naked, bearing all of yourself to your spouse in a marriage where each shares the deepest parts of who they are with each other. We say, this is who I really am in my most vulnerable state. It requires complete trust and a lifelong commitment to be so vulnerable. This is why God designed sex to happen within a marriage. It goes way beyond the lust of the eyes. This sacredness happens when your spouse says, I see you, I see your hurts, your imperfections and your weakness, and you are beautiful. I love you just the way you are. This is the intimacy that Christ desires for our marriages. Our hearts are not hard. And when I think about it, isn't this how Jesus sees each of us? He sees our issues 
and all our stuff. And he says, I love you. Let me have your hurts and your scars and your weakness. I will redeem them for I will make you beautiful. For the Bible says that we are to love our spouse as Christ loves his people. And Timothy Keller says the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Going back to my story, it is very evident from the beginning of our marriage that we were definitely not living in paradise. And we've truly lost our innocence. We quickly discovered That to marry means to merge, to bring together two broken, selfish, sinful people who are completely opposite and have them unite as one and become intimate? Are you kidding? I've asked God several times what he was thinking when he designed marriage. I can see how it really worked well in the Garden of Eden, but in my home, It didn't and doesn't seem so easy. And every home since the Garden of Eden has to deal with the reality of sin. Lord, keep our hearts from being hard, for we are broken. Maybe you have a great marriage where you have candlelight dinners every night and afterward. You walk hand in hand along a moonlit beach. But for many of us, that's unrealistic. Christian author Anne Voskamp says, how we receive each other's reach eventually will determine if we ever get to hold each other's heart. So how do we react when our spouse reaches out to us? Do we get to hold the sacredness of their heart? Now, a hard heart is one who does not receive or connect with others. Those with a hard heart keep their distance. Those with a hard heart have marriages and relationships that end up cold and without love. But Jesus says in Mark 10, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Because of this vulnerability, God's intent is for marriage to be a sacred covenant relationship and should therefore not be not entered into lightly. It's the second greatest decision that a person will ever make in this life because it's a lifelong commitment. And by the way, the first greatest decision is to accept Jesus as your personal savior and your friend. Or as Pastor Dan says, the three most important decisions are who is your master, who is your mate, and what is your mission in life? And your mission applies to all the singles and to the marrieds. I didn't understand what a covenant relationship was when I got married to Kimo 42 years ago at the age of 16. When I said my marriage vow, I didn't realize how much of it would be a promise for the future and not so much for just our wedding day. It seemed all doable at the time I made the vow, but to live out that promise is tough as it is with many of you today. 
God, though, is miraculously showed up over and over again in my marriage. God is a God of love and a God of grace. In God's divine providence, he moved Kimo and I to this church 12 years ago, knowing that we would need support in our marriage. First Pres recognizes that marriage is tough and that our hearts are prone to getting hard. When Kimo and I were struggling with our finances and I felt like there was no hope There came the Financial Peace Course by Dave Ramsey, offered as a life training class here on Sunday morning. Our debt was crippling our marriage. Debt is the number two killer of all marriages. Finances touch everything in our life. So to be able to have a plan to pay off our debt and to live within our means was and is vital to the health of our marriage. And then a few years ago, Kimo and I took the Alpha Marriage course when the church offered it. The course gave us several weeks of date nights where we came together just as a couple and we looked at setting goals to work towards ensuring that the infrastructure of our marriage was solid. We looked at things like understanding and appreciating our differences learning the art of communication, learning how to resolve conflict, learn how to be intentional with our time together, recognizing that the influence that our family background has on each of us, and how to develop a good sexual relationship. It was tough in the beginning. We were in those Malka classrooms, and the first week, I wanted to move our table out to the lanai so that others couldn't hear us argue, or that I could throw Kimo over the railing. (laughs) And I'm sure Kimo wanted to throw me over, too. You see, we had four decades of built-up issues that needed to be addressed, and effective communication was not our strength. A lack of communication is the number three killer of marriages. And as a result, the marriage course taught us how to set goals, values, and dreams. And then the teaching and community here at First Press have given us a thirst to be in his word and to hear God's voice and to know his heart and his will and give us practical steps to getting healthier. God doesn't just leave us a book called the Bible with practical tips. He goes one step farther. God gives his followers the Holy Spirit, who in the Bible is called the counselor, the comforter. The Spirit encourages us when we're discouraged. The Spirit empowers us when we feel like we have no power. The Spirit gives us strength when we have no strength. The Spirit gives us the capacity to forgive when we don't feel like we have it in us. But this I do know, that my human failure does not alter God's will or his grand design for his people. I can love well at times, but mostly it's too hard for me. And God knows that. And that's why he sent his one and only son to die on the cross 
for my failures. I need Jesus, for his grace covers all my sin and all my shortcomings. As a result, God sees me as a righteous person, a person that loves well. The only way from keeping my heart from being hard is to believe in his amazing love for me, this beautiful gift of grace. When I believe, I see his love. And here is the good news. Again, I want to share this quote from Tim Keller that says, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are moved, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. There's now hope in failure, and it's called grace. And this is the gift. This is hope restored. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, how do we keep our hearts from being hard? For we are your broken people. We need all the help we can get. The pain can be so great. We're often weak. We look to your word and we hear your heart and see the design and standards that you have for us, your chosen people. God, your will is so unattainable without your power and strength within us. In our humanness, we want a checklist of do's and don'ts for healthy relationships. But as you know, Lord, none of us meet that criteria. We are incapable of loving well and forgiving others without your spirit living within us. We recognize that our relationship with you is the only way to keep our hearts from hardening. Holy Spirit, come and take up house within our heart. We claim your authority over us to live out God's perfect will by your perfect son's grace that has covered us. And we make our prayers known in your holy name. Amen. Now for some of you, you would like to have some prayer. and We'll have our prayer warriors in front of the the choir risers and over in front of the cross. But for now, please stand and receive this blessing. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you. And may you know deep, deep down in your heart how much your creator truly loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week. No matter where you are on the marriage spectrum, we bask in God's grace through it all. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Perez website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Perez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the brand new First Perez app, Watch First Pres Sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Strength for the Journey is copyright 2018 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.